I want to lead us in a word of prayer together. Uh, so let's pray. Father God, I am so thankful for the faithfulness of these men and women that have displayed the faithfulness of the gospel in their life in getting this church established in this city, in this place, to be salt and light, to be a beacon on a hill so that, that the world would know the fame and the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that now as we are celebrating this fifth anniversary, that, that we would not look just to the past, but we would also look to the future of what you will do through the ministry that you have established. And so I pray, Father, that you would just now speak to our hearts. Help us to recognize that we are your body. We are your hands. We are your feet. We are the extension of what you are doing here in Australia as well as all across the world. And so, Father, we pray that today would mark a new beginning, a new mark, a new opportunity for us to see what you will accomplish through the chapel here in Sydney. And so we love you and thank you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is my honor to celebrate with you uh, this fifth anniversary. Uh, you know, I'm a, a recent friend. Um, I'm like an uncle that has uh, just been adopted by you. Uh, I feel like uh, uh, one of the things, I, I was only here two months ago, and, and I haven't really left. I, I've been hiding out and just so that I can be a part of this. And I, I would just want to say thank you so much for, to see God's faithfulness here in Australia. Uh, sometimes when we are thrust into something, we don't know why we're thrust into it, but, but we know that God has a purpose and plan. Uh, I remember hearing a story about a wealthy man who had this big house, and, and he was an executive. He was a president of a company, and in this company, uh, he invited all of his young executives to celebrate this, this company's sort of founding, and all these young executives were here, and they had been drinking a little too much, and at the end of the, the, the night, he said to the, the, the young executives, he was kind of joking with them. He said to them, um, you see that lake over there? And he had this, his own personal lake. He says, in that lake is filled with crocodiles, filled with piranhas, dangerous things. If any of you young men are willing to swim across, I will give you one of three things. One, he says, I, I will give you one of my exotic cards that I'm collecting. Uh, number two, I will give you uh, an expensive flat right in the city. Or third, I will give you my daughter's hand in marriage. You could choose any one of these things. And he said that as a joke. Well, as soon as he turned around, he, he heard this splash. And he heard this guy in this, in this full tuxedo swimming across the lake. And he was so impressed at this young man's courage. He said to him, young man, come up here. I was just joking about those three things. But what, what are those, one of those three things would you like? He says, uh, would you like one of my exotic cars? And the guy was huffing and puffing, and he says, no, I don't want any of your cars. Oh, so do you want an expensive flat in the city? And the guy goes, no, no, I don't want your flat either. I uh, goes, okay, I know what you want. You want my daughter's hand in marriage. And the guy goes, no, no, I don't want that either. He goes, what do you want? And he says, I just want the guy who shoved me in the lake. <laughs> now, when I think about that story... I'm reminded that many of you feel like that. 
you were just shoved into this thing. You had no idea what you're doing. And yet you realize that as you swam across this dangerous river, that you were able to accomplish something amazing. And here God has called all of you to be part of something amazing. It doesn't matter how you got here, you're here. But the question that we have to ask ourselves is this. What is the reason that God has called us to do this? What is the purpose of our mission? You know, oftentimes when we get a church established, oftentimes we, we do it for the wrong reasons. Or sometimes we do it for mistaken reasons. We do it because we want to run away from something. Or, or we do it because out of loyalty and faithfulness. But I think one of the things that, that, is, that is missing is that sometimes we miss our sense of identity. That you're part of something bigger than what you could ever hope or imagine. And oftentimes when we don't have that understanding of our purpose, that we just kind of exist. And what I want to do is I want to do more than exist. I want you guys to thrive. I want you to live the way God has called you to live. And being part of this community called the church is actually part of God's greater plan. Now, many of you have probably come to church, and many, some of you are maybe even experiencing church for the first time. But when you come to church, oftentimes we have a misunderstanding of what the church is. For some of us, when we think about the church, we think about tradition. We have maybe gone to church because we've always done it this way. And there's nothing wrong with coming to church like that. But, but oftentimes church becomes empty when you come out of traditionalism. Others of us have come to church out of sense of responsibility. You've come to church because it's the, it's the right thing to do. Even though there's no uh, engagement or involvement, you come to church because you're a good kid and, and, and that's what good people do. Maybe others of you have come to church out of, out of a desperate need for, for relationships, for social reasons. See, all those things are, are okay and important, but there's something more important than that. For the church is the embodiment. It's the body of Jesus. And when you think about the role of the church, the reason that we exist is to actually extend the body of Jesus to all the nations. And you get to be part of something. And I want to just share with you three things that the church has that no one else has. Because this is what embodies, uh, allows us to actually extend the body of Christ. And it's our message. There are three things that are essential uh, in our message that no other organization can claim. See, for many of us, when we think about the metaphor of our existence, in some ways the church is a hospital, isn't it? Jesus says that in Matthew chapter 9, that it's the sick who need a doctor. And, and for some of us, come to church to, to, to be healed because spiritually you've been, you've been in a state where that you need something deeper in your life. For others of us, the church is, is like a health club where, where we need to get kind of spiritually fit. And for many of us, church is like a home where we have this new sort of found brother and sister, father and mother in this new body. But there are three things that I think are critical to the message of the gospel. And it is this, that the message of our existence is really embodied in three words. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Jesus says this, that the greatest thing that we have is love. And that love surpasses everything. It surpasses spiritual gifts. It surpasses uh, even all the miracles that we may see. And in that very last verse in, in, in chapter 13, he says that there are three things that remain. 
He says, these are the three things that last forever. And it's faith, hope, and love. Now, here's the beautiful message of the gospel. Is that embodied in the gospel are three of life's most biggest questions that we have. The first is the question of what is what do we believe? What is the meaning of life? And when you think about what the church offers, is that we offer the world this idea of, of faith, this idea of belief. There is nothing that's stronger than this idea of believing in something bigger than yourself. Because one thing you'll realize, no matter how educated you are or how much, how much resources you have, that at some point, all those things have limits. And you have to believe in something bigger than yourself. And what the gospel offers to us is that faith is essential. That we believe in a God who can do all things. And faith in its very essence. See, faith, by the way, is not necessarily how much trust you have in something. What faith is, is not just a subjective feeling. What faith is, an objective reality. And here's the difference. When Jesus says, have faith in me, he's not saying just believe in something strongly. In our world's context, we often equate faith as just strong belief. And we can, it doesn't matter what you believe. As long as you have strong belief, you believe in something. But Jesus says, no. Faith is not necessarily believing. Faith is believing in something. And the quality of our faith is based upon the reality of who Jesus is. We believe in a God that came from heaven down to earth, that died for us and resurrected. And the quality of our faith is the person of Jesus Christ. And because it is God in human flesh that we believe in, we have a message that can actually transform the world. And as you think about the next five years, 10 years, 20 years, think about that. that you have something to believe in. But there's a second thing that Jesus says that I think is, is the most powerful sort of thing for the future, and that's the idea of hope. It's the message of becoming. You know, when you're a little kid, I bet all of you dreamed of wanting to become something. Whether it was uh, in, in America, we you know, you dream of being an athlete or being, a, being a, a movie star or pop star or being whatever. We all have hope. We all have ambition. We all have desire. But, you know, if you think about the nature of hope, hope is always future-oriented. Because future allows us to grab onto something that doesn't exist now. But the gospel is one thing that offers hope. Because here's the reality of, of who Jesus is. That he gives to us the hope of salvation and hope for the future. When I think about the message of the gospel, it really is a message of hope, isn't it? And, and I think about the generations that we live in. If there's one thing that sort of defines this generation, is a sense of hopelessness. A sense of emptiness. And I realized something, that hope has nothing to do with how much money you have. Because oftentimes those who have a lot really still feel hopeless. But here's the thing about hope. Hope gives us a sense of meaning. Because it helps us to see something that is bigger than the present. You know what hope allows us to see? It allows us to persevere in times of difficulty. I think about, um, there was actually a story uh, uh, an experiment done many years ago in which uh, rats were thrown into this, this bucket of water. 
and they kind of measured to see how long these the, these rats would survive in this in this water. And as the the rats were sort of paddling around, uh, they m- many of them drowned within minutes. Well, they did this experiment again. And this time what they did was when the rats were about to drown, they plucked them out of the water. And these rats actually now survived. An interesting thing happened when they put them in the third time. And these are the rats who had survived. Is that they paddled for over 23 hours. Now, what was the difference between these these rats dying very quickly to those who had endured? Is that they had the sense in which they were being rescued. And it allowed them to persevere. And I think that's what the gospel does. That the gospel allows us to see no matter what life is, no matter how difficult life becomes, that there is always hope. And you know what the biggest hope is? Is the hope for eternity. What allows us as Christians to persevere in difficulties and trials is that it doesn't matter what happens in this earth. That we have hope for the future. And you realize this when somebody you love passes away. When you're sitting in that empty body, when you're seeing that body who's devoid of spirit. And if, if, if all life is about is to see that person die, then, then life can become meaningless and empty. But for us as Christians, we recognize one thing. That that's not the end. That we have a message that allows people to persevere no matter how difficult it is. And the Christian message of hope allows us to become something bigger and better than who we really are. And here's what the church is all about, is that you embody the hope of the gospel. But there's one final thing that the, that the church embodies. Not only a message of belief, not only uh, a message of, of becoming, but we have a message of belonging. And that's what love is. You know, if you think about the message of the gospel, it really focuses on one word, and that's love. It goes back to the very root of salvation. And by the way, if you compare, do a comparative analysis of religion versus Christianity, there's one word that separates Christianity from everything else out of the sense of that God loved us. Now think about that. In every religion, it's about duty. It's about achievement. It's about working harder to be better. The gospel is reversed. That there's nothing we can do to ever earn God's favor. That God loved us unconditionally. And as we see in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I think about this idea of love at the root of love is a sense of belonging. You know what the church offers to the world? Is a true sense of love. Not the me too generation in which people sort of use an artificial idea of love. Where they uh, uh, use somebody for their own personal gratification. No, Jesus said this. Greater love has no man than this. That he laid down his life for his friend. The Christian love is not a love in which we get. It is a love in which we give. It is a love in which we sacrifice. It is a love in which we honor. It is a love in which we dedicate to one another. So I want to leave you with this thought. That the greatest message that you have is the very thing that the world is yearning for. 
The world is yearning for something to believe in that's bigger than themselves. The world is yearning for a sense of hope and meaning and purpose in their life. And most importantly, the, the world is longing for a place to belong, a place called community, a place called family. You know, when I look at all the, the people in, in, in the U.S. now, where I'm from, one of the epidemics that's happening is the brokenness that's happening in families. Many kids are growing up without a father or a mother. And I think about what's happening in Australia, same thing. And I think the church, in, in some great way, could answer the very yearning of our generation. A place to belong. A place to be accepted. A place to be loved. And you know what the church does when it truly is the church? Is that people are transformed. Last year, I was invited to a church that I had started 20 uh, years ago. 1996, I planted this little church in Washington, D.C. We had 11 people meeting in our apartment. And I had no idea where this church would end up. I had no idea what, you know, all the people that would come through. And so the 20th anniversary, I had already left. I planted the church. After three years, the Lord called me back to uh, L.A. And now this church was 20 years old, had called their founding pastor, me, back. And it was amazing to see. Just like this anniversary, to see people that had once come, from, uh, come to that church and now had left, had come back to celebrate. But the thing that made the most impact in my life was not the sermon I was preaching or even some of the, the cool food and the videos and all that. Those are all sort of nostalgic. They were good. But the story that impacted my life the most was a young man named James Gage. Back then, when we first started the church, he was a young man. Uh, James uh, was uh, Caucasian, uh, dating a Korean girl named Soyoung. And they had both come from two different churches. And they were dating and getting engaged. So they had come to our new church plan. And when they came, uh, James got involved. And he, uh, he started growing in his faith. And eventually they got married. Um, and like any couple, they went through their ups and downs. And I had left the church before I got the word about a few years later that Soyoung, who had already been pregnant, had a baby, and her second child, they had diagnosed her with a brain tumor, a terminal brain cancer. And I remember hearing that, and I had been praying for them. And so I had lost contact with them. Well, 20 years later now, I get to hear the story. James comes up to the podium, and he starts sharing his testimony. He starts sharing his story of what happened. And he said... The thing that saved his life was not only his trust in Jesus Christ, which was important, which was essential, but was also the community of, 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 of believers, his brothers and sisters at that church. When Soyoung was diagnosed with brain tumor, the family of God embraced her. They covered her. They surrounded her. They prayed for her. When she needed to go to a doctor visit, one of the young women would take her along and be with her and some of the other women would watch over their, her children they would wheel her around they would bring food to the to to their um, house when I heard that story I said that is what the church is all about well a year later Soyoung passed and James eventually got remarried but as he was sharing the story it reminded me what the church is it's not an organization it's not a building. 
but it's the people of God who has been transformed by the message of the gospel. A message that they can believe in, a message that can give them a sense of hope, and a message that would allow them to love. And that's what the chapel is all about. So I, I come here not to give you this long sermon. I come here to encourage you, to remind you, don't forget what God is calling you to do. That the reason you are here is to take the very message of Jesus. To see this city, to see this nation, to share with them the trueness of the gospel. And the gospel in Jesus Christ. So on behalf of, of your friends now in America, we want to say thank you for, for being that salt and light in this community. So let's pray together.